Let's talk about that speech with Claire and Rachel. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Let's Talk About Speech podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Claire. And we are back for another episode. But before we dive into today's episode, we wanted to say thank you guys so much for all of the awesome feedback from last week's episode where we talked all about books with Jenna. If you haven't had a chance to listen, go check it out. Yes, it was great. And it was so much fun talking to her. So definitely make sure you check it out. We have been planning today's episode, feels like for a while, um, just because we thought the timing would align perfectly with back to school and thinking, you know, everyone was always looking for some new and refreshing activities, ways to prep your classroom and all that. But unfortunately, the reality is a lot of schools are not reopening at full capacity, if at all. The school year is going to look so different. But Rachel and I have been talking a lot about it this week, and you know we're all adaptable. It's part, it's part of us as being humans. We have mm-hmm. to adapt. And our children are resilient. I've, had, I've been seeing kids in telepractice, and I've started seeing kids back in sessions and um, you know, with masks on, and I've asked them about it. And I had one little girl who I, I do fluency. Uh, therapy with her. And I asked how doing her therapy strategies were, her fluency strategies were with her mask on. And she was like, it feels really weird, but I'm getting used to it. And she was just so, again, resilient. Our kids are resilient. So I know we're stressed and we're all looking for ways to kind of maneuver ourselves through it, but we will get through it. And I think we still have a lot of really fun ideas to use over telepractice or to use with the limited time you may have in your classroom or to give parents for at home. So I know it's different in every state too. um, And I think we're going to share some of the results we got from what we asked you guys, but at least where I'm at in Virginia, majority of our schools have announced that school will be virtual, at least around me, like all virtual, except for the self-contained special education classrooms are still going in. So that was interesting because that was kind of the first that I'd heard um, that we're doing that. And then I know in Ohio, the places I used to work, some of the schools are doing um, like two days a week. So 50% two days a week, they're doing Monday, Tuesday, and then the other 50% comes Wednesday, Thursday, and then Friday is virtual. Um, Rachel, do you know, I don't know if Michigan knows yet. So right? Michigan is kind of up in the air right now. <laughs> as are a lot still, yeah. I'm sure. As a lot of states are. I know that everyone's plan is due to the state the 17th of August, which I believe is the beginning of next week. Um, yeah. <laughs> Some districts around us have already announced their plans. Majority, I would say, are virtual. However, some of, some of my friends work in districts where they've announced in person, but at a reduced capacity or alternate days, like you just mentioned. I know my district has a board meeting right now to vote on the plan. So yeah. So I think a lot of things are just up in the air right now. And I know a large portion of what they're basing these plans on are kind of what phase our state is currently in. And um, the general guidelines that I've heard would be if we're in phase three, we would be strictly virtual. Phase four would be a hybrid of some sort, and phase five is in-person with strict 
um, health and safety protocols. That being said, I do know several districts have already ruled out that hybrid learning model where it would be a combination of in-person and virtual just because they don't really think that's the best fit for their students. Um, There's yeah. just so many different ways that people are going about this. I have no idea what the right answer is. I mean, the, the best thing would be if we could be in person and we can't. So I feel like we're, I also wish there was some like uniform uniformity to it because like, why can't our whole County do the same thing? Like I understand state is different because Mm -hmm. up North, the population is nothing like it is in the County that I like, I understand that, but I don't know. It's hard. Yeah, it's so hard. I agree. Yeah, so I'll just hop on my soapbox really quickly (laughs) um, just to encourage everyone to mask up because clearly it's not going away. And like you just heard me say, a lot of things are based on what phase we're in. And if no one's wearing a mask and being irresponsible, we're probably going to be in a lower phase, which means things are more difficult. And I know there's no easy answer right now, but I feel like everyone can do their part of wearing a mask when you're in public and social distance yourself and whatnot. Yeah, for sure. Um, I know Claire mentioned the data. So we posted on our Instagram stories, kind of testing the waters to see who knew their plan and who didn't. And that was up for about 24 hours. And based on everything we had, which we had a lot of people participate Mm -hmm. in it, which I appreciate a couple hundred, Um, and at that point, 77% of people did know their plan and the rest didn't. So 23% did not know. And based on that, the percent of the people that knew that it's now broken down into four categories. So 40% were in person, 40% were virtual, um, 15% were a hybrid and 5% was other. And I wish wow. I knew what that other was. Yeah, man. Well, and I'm shocked that such a high is in person. That actually is really surprising to me. Yeah. But and the second part of that was we asked if you're in person, are you comfortable with that plan or not? And 70% of people said they were not comfortable being in person and 30% said they were. It's so hard. Who knows? <laughs> It's kind of crazy. So, all right, well, we're going to dive into today's episode, which is kind of a back to school episode, but first we're going to hear from a special guest. So today we have a very special guest on our show. Kaylee O'Connor Nunnally is the founder and creator of Learn With Chatterboxes. You've probably seen them on our Instagram. We have done some videos and showed you guys some, um, especially with the giveaway that we have going on right now, but we're really excited to hear more about these chatterboxes. Kaylee, thanks for being here. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, we can't wait to hear more about these. I know Rachel and I have been surfing through all of the different options and chatterboxes for a couple of weeks now, so we're excited to hear more. Um, how about we just start with kind of where you started with chatterboxes and why, and just kind of your company? Okay, um, so I started chatterboxes because um, just like everyone else in the world, when the pandemic hit, um, life got crazy, things changed. I found myself being a little bit more anxious than usual. Um, My husband is actually an ER doctor. So he was like right on the front lines and that was super stressful. And my caseload was diminishing. And so I just had this creative energy that I wanted to do something more and create something that was 
you know, also within our field of speech pathology. And um, yeah, so that's how Chatterboxes was born. Um, I also am a partner with my good friend who does the Play-Doh for us. She is, um, we like to call her the play at home mama because she's super creative with her two kids. So she's kind of like the artsy side of it and Mm -hmm. makes the Play-Doh and helps in that regard. Whereas I'm on social media and doing the speech side of things and the parent handouts and that's awesome. You know, creating the product and everything like that. So, so you started during the pandemic, I guess I didn't realize that you've only been around for that long creating these. Yeah. We actually that's just awesome. launched the first one at the end of June. So oh, wow. Super new. Yeah. That's very impressive because looking at all of the different boxes that you have and the social media presence that you have, I would have never thought you're that new. So congratulations. Yeah. Well, I mean, with everything starting in March, I definitely had time to think and get things together, you know, before like putting it out there. Um, Yeah, that's for sure. A positive that's coming out of the pandemic. So that's cool. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, for sure. So um, Claire and I have been checking out your page and we've been in communication with you for a couple of weeks now, but it looks like you have so many different kits available. Um, I know you have the first words kit, which you were so gracious to send me and I'm going to be reviewing on our page. And Claire went over the WH questions kit, kind of like the community helpers, but can you kind of touch on some of the other boxes that you have also? Yeah. So we have the first words, we have WH questions with community helpers. We have um, what we call our all the feels kit, which is an emotions kit. Mm -hmm. And we have our um, adjectives in the kitchen kit. And then just last week we released our um, habitat (laughs) kit, which which is habitat. Claire and I love a good pun, obviously with (laughs) the name, let's talk about speech. So habitat is so cute. (laughs) Thank you. I was like kind of joking. And then I asked my husband, I'm like, is this weird? He's like, no, it's fun. Go no, it's it. hilarious. I love it. So what, what is that one focus on? So um, just like the WH questions kit, I wanted to tie in like preschool and kindergarten curriculum as much as I could, mm-hmm. um, you know, for these kids that are learning from home or doing like a hybrid model and to support those parents. So with the Habitat Kit, since that is a kindergarten common core standard, mm-hmm. it is um, it includes four different habitats, uh, desert, arctic, rainforest, and ocean. Mm-hmm. And so it has WH questions as well, but then there's cool. also like uh, extra bonus ideas for how to target prepositions and what age your child should be doing this and how to work on following directions and then getting multi-step directions and adjectives and, you know, things like that too. So it's kind of like an all-encompassing idea, kind of like how the WH questions had bonus ideas on it, you know, for um, the community helpers one. So um, it's a little bit of everything. And I think that's so cool because I think now more than ever, parents are like needing to be given things to do with their children, especially with the start of the school year. So I feel like the pandemic is really creating a space for you that's needed with these boxes. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, we um, just want to support parents as much as we can during this time. And I've seen so many awesome like Play-Doh kits and sensory kits out there that I love so much. And my whole thing is like, I am not trying to recreate the wheel here. I will totally buy and purchase these other awesome, cute things that I have found. But when it comes to something that's truly unique for fostering speech and language skills, I just hadn't seen that yet. Mm -hmm. So I thought, how can I take 
you know, these academic and language concepts that kids need to work on and make it hands-on so it's fun for not only the kid, but fun for the parent too. Absolutely. Yeah. And I love, I know you touched on the four different habitats, but what I really love about this box is, as you mentioned, it ties in that sensory aspect. And um, so you mentioned the four habitats, but I just wanted to share with our listeners that it includes kinetic sand, the floof sensory snow, which is awesome. Claire, have you ever played with that? No, I was just going to ask what that is. You would love it. It's really cool. (laughs) Yeah, it's really cool. Um, Rainforest rocks and um, water beads, like those Orbeez. So I think that sensory input, yeah, is huge. Yeah. And so I guess these boxes too, so not just parents, but SLPs, I'm assuming too, can use these in therapy. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess maybe after the pandemic, who knows what people are doing, but they could utilize them for therapy. Right. Right. Yeah. So we're actually planning to release some sort of like therapist discount bundle where it's, um, because we understand that, you know, those of us that are going back to treat in person, it's probably going to look like every kid has their own individual you know, um, thing of Play-Doh that they use. So if we include like the basics, but not Mm -hmm. Play-Doh or, you know, um, something different in terms of like the sensory, um, that we could like offer it at a discount for therapists, you know, since that'd be so nice of you. Yeah. 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 And then I guess last, just real quick, I love, I think what I love the most about these boxes is how the the variety it has for different ages. So, um, if you guys watch on our stories, I go over this a little bit, how there's a little section for each age, which I think is so fun because a lot of times parents and maybe even therapists are like, okay, where should I start Mm -hmm. with this child and what should they be able to answer Mm -hmm. from this kit or from the toys that I'm using? Yeah. Yeah. We always include like some milestone information like you saw in the WH kit for community helpers. Um, In the adjectives kit, you know, we start with talking about those basic adjectives that they might start saying first, like hot or cold, and then moving on to understanding some more complex adjectives. And then we touch on like the comparative and superlative adjectives. And then we talk a little bit about how understanding what these adjectives mean has to happen first before a child is going to use them in their expressive vocabulary. So, and that's in like a little pyramid for them. Um, So all of our kits include that information too, because um, most parents just have never thought about it before. They're not speech pathologists, you know? Um, So I want to provide that information to them too. And we also try to make these kits super affordable Mm -hmm. um, for parents. The WH questions with community helpers is our most expensive, like core kit. That's 27. Mm -hmm. The emotions is 25. But the first words is pretty cheap. That's only, yeah. Yeah. It's like, because the whole thing is like the tools are not anything that's like hard to find or anything like that, but it's having it all in your fingertips, you know, with the box and then the tips and the tricks and everything so that you can literally like, oh, we need to work on speech today. Let's, you know, and just do it. Just try it with these little things. Um, and of course we have disclaimers that this should not replace speech therapy and that, um, the goal is really parent manipulation of the objects, especially for the first words kit. Cause obviously we don't want a child putting like the wind up toy in their mouth or anything. Right. Like that. Um, <laughs> right. And we don't really have ages on it too, because as you guys know, um, those first words, it, you know, it's arranged. So we want parents to be the ones that are making that decision as they purchase and see what their child, you know, needs. Yeah. yeah I saw, um, 
I think it was a couple of weeks ago, you had posted on your Instagram story asking for ideas for future kits, which I thought was really clever. And someone had put a birthday themed kit, which I thought was such a great idea. Oh, but fun. that also made me think that these would be perfect birthday gifts for, yeah. you know, like the first words kit for your first birthday or, mm-hmm. you know, the emotions kit for a two or three year old. I mean, it, right. I think it's, I love learning gifts and toys and things. Right. Like that. So thank I thought that you. was perfect. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. For sure. Well, thank you so much for showing us and telling us more about these boxes. We appreciate your time. And um, especially with the giveaway, guys, don't forget to check out the giveaway that's happening um, between us and then Kaylee and also Speech Tree Co. We've got some really fun stuff in that giveaway for back to school. All right, Kaylee, thank you so much. Thank you. See you guys later. Thanks. Bye. Bye. So this week we are talking back to school, which is kind of an odd saying right now, given everything that's going on. But Claire and I wanted to make this episode regardless of what phase or plan your state or school district is in. There are tips on here for both speech language pathologists and parents throughout the episode, which we think are so important right now. And just because you're virtually learning, if that's what your school's decided on, it doesn't mean that learning has to stop. We know it's more challenging, but we also know that, like Claire said, we can adapt and we can do it. So the first thing that I really wanted to stress for the parents that are listening and parents that have children that are receiving services at school through an IEP. And that's just to make yourself comfortable with your child's IEP and everything that's included in it. I know that we're gonna do a future episode all about paperwork, but IEPs can be really overwhelming, especially if you're a parent and you're not familiar with them, they're full of tons of information. But the main point or part that I'm trying to get across here is just to make yourself familiar with your students' goals. And those are the targets that the professionals that your children work with at school have made for your child to work on. Typically, for a year. However, if there's growth, those can always be amended and made a little bit more challenging, but that's kind of what you're going to base everything we're about to say on. So if your child has goals for articulation or letter sounds, you're not going to want to really focus on language. Now, is it important? Yes. Is it going to be helpful regardless? Yes. But if you really want to work on the IEP goals and what they work on when they meet with their speech therapist, you're going to want to focus on that section in the IEP. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's so important to know those goals because anyone can just be like, oh, well, they're working on speech crickets, but what does that mean? There's so many things that speech is. So make sure you know what your child's goals are for sure. The next thing is, especially because a lot of people are going to be virtually learning, make sure your child has a workspace. So I think this is an important takeaway for parents, but also for professionals to suggest to their parents. It doesn't have to be fancy, but it's so important that children have a learning environment. I can't tell you the amount of, unfortunately, families I've seen like in the car or on the sidewalk, like just kind of hanging out. And I've had to be like, you know, it's fine to do every once in a while. But for the most part, we want you to have a workspace. I get that life happens, but 
at the same time, we're doing this in place of going in person, which you would have had to do. So we need to put some effort into making a space and that space can be quiet and it can be comfortable and calm and it needs to have a sense of predictability. So, you know, when the child sits in this space, they know that they're there to do speech or they're there to do their schoolwork and they expect that that's going to happen. It's really hard to be in a different spot in your house every time you're trying to do schoolwork because your child, especially if they're younger or possibly have special needs, they're, they're not going to understand that schedule. And that's so, so important. Yeah. I think a lot of businesses were kind of expecting that too, because mm -hmm. I've seen student desks. I've seen them at Costco. Mm -hmm. I've seen that. I've seen them at Ikea. They have little ones at Target. Check out mm -hmm. like Facebook marketplace. You can, it doesn't have, like Claire said, it doesn't have to be fancy or expensive, but if, especially if they're older, right? Like upper L or middle or high school, they're, they're going to want space and maybe the kitchen table isn't always helpful or there's distractions going on. So I, I do think that's really important to make sure they have kind of a space that they feel comfortable in and they can get some learning done in. Yeah, absolutely. So we wanted to break this down for you guys by ages because we thought that would be easiest. However, a lot of these overlap. So um, some of the stuff we talk about for zero to three or toddler, I guess, age to three is going to be relevant for later ages as well. So the first thing I wanted to kind of touch on was visuals. And I put this in zero to three because I felt like little kids really need schedules, but older kids really need schedules too. So mm -hmm. I guess this is just kind of for all across the board, how important making a schedule is days with gray, which we've talked about before. Um, it's a website made by a mom who has three kids. She has a toddler and then, um, an older kindergartner, I think. And she has a couple different kids of different ages and she has, done a lot of different blogs lately on how she's adapting to this COVID situation and check out that website. Cause it is awesome. She has so many good ideas. She's yeah. a genius, but she has a whole blog on visual schedules and visual routines. And she talks about how schedules change and that's fine, obviously, especially when we're working and learning from home, but it's how we create and implement the schedule each day that needs to remain the same. So, you know, even if you have different things you're doing, you should still have something set each day of what you're doing. So she said to start by think of your day in thirds. And I was like, I think I already do this. So yeah. I think of my day as like morning when I get up and then my work time. So like nine to four or nine to five, whatever, when I get my work done and then after work. So I do the same thing. And it's important that we kind of teach our kids to do this as well. So they get a little break and play time and food in the morning, and then they have their work time and then they have their downtime and you kind of fill it in. So you look at the times also that aren't maybe their best and you plug in some sensory time or you plug in some a break, even if it involves screens, just because you know that's a time, maybe two o'clock that they just do not do well. So that's what you put on their schedule. And then everything else you incorporate around it, playing, working meals. But again, I think schedules are so important now more than ever, especially when learning from home. Yeah. I love days with gray. Awesome. For, I know for so many reasons. And one thing that I really love is her like mantra or slogan is inviting play into your everyday, 
which is so accurate for these littles that are in that birth to three population, that early intervention that's so key. Um, so if you haven't seen her Instagram page or her website, she has tons of amazing ideas that are really around the idea of just incorporating play into everyday experiences. And she started with this idea of breakfast invitations, which Claire touched on during a, our episode all about incorporating language into everyday activities. So if you guys have a chance, you should check that out. But I'm on her website right now and she breaks play down into block play, counting bears play, books play, outdoor play, sensory play. Then she has a learn tab and breaks that down into literacy, math, art, naming activities, fine motor, gross motor. Then she has a whole section for those breakfast invitations that we were talking about. So it's not even just for speech, um, definitely not focused just around speech or language development. Um, I love that she includes those fine motor and gross motor activities, like Claire said, if they need breaks, if they need a sensory experience, she has so, so many resources. So I would definitely check that out. Her blog is awesome too. I was reading a little into it. She used to be a kindergarten teacher. So that's kind of where her expertise comes from. So she knows what she's talking about. She mm -hmm. had groups of what, 24 to five-year-olds? Like yeah. that's insane. Yeah. <laughs> Kudos to any kindergarten teacher out there because that's <laughs> so much. But she also talked a little in her blog about how you know, she, when she's trying to teach her kindergartner, her toddler's right there and he's maybe two or three, however old he is. Mm -hmm. But she talked about how that's going to happen a lot now because your child that needs to learn and maybe has a curriculum is going to have their little two-year-old brother or sister coming in and wanting to do things. And she said to just own it and have that toddler come in and give them something to do at the same time. So, you know, even though they're not learning the same things as that kindergartner, still give them that schedule and formulate them into that routine. It'll make it so much easier on you. Yeah. I've had a couple friends tell me that have multiple children, you know, older oh, and younger. Yeah. And they've told me that their older ones, they've seen them regress a little because they're mm -hmm. kind of being drawn to what the younger ones are doing. Mm -hmm. And I've had a couple of friends say that they kind of turn that into like a learning experience where, oh, so-and-so needs your help. Can you show them how to do this? And even they're like the teacher. That's yeah. Fun. Even if it's way above, you know, what the younger one's working on if the older one can like sequence it and answer questions and explain mm -hmm. those steps, that's so important. Yeah. That's awesome. Yes. So another thing with this age group, this toddler age group is the parent coaching. So I feel like we will probably do a whole episode on this at some point because mm -hmm. we could talk about it for so long, mm -hmm. but essentially parent coaching is exactly what it is. You are a coach to the parent. You are teaching them the strategies that you're implementing, why you're implementing them, why it works, the research that backs it, and then how to do it. So Asha has some pretty good articles. Um, specifically, they have one called coaching. No, sorry. Couching to coaching. It's hard to say <laughs> couching to coaching. And they talk about how for a while, you know, parents, especially in early intervention would just sit on the couch and watch the speech mm -hmm. therapist with their child, but now they want to form it into more of a coaching experience where the 
where the parent is on the floor with them and doing things. And you all know this SLPs listening, but parents, especially make sure you're really reaching out to your therapists or teachers and seeing what you can do, because I'm sure they have a lot of resources for you and they can kind of coach you on some of those IEP goals that maybe you're not sure what that really means. So for SLPs, some parent coaching is hard to start, especially if you're not used to it and in early intervention, but this can be done with the older kids too. You really just start by asking the parents what their goals are for their child. So, you know, you have your goals that you need to target, but what are the parents' goals? Because the parent sees them in the home environment all the time. And maybe their goal is they really want them to be able to say their little sister's name and they can't. And so then you add that and you incorporate it into your goals. And that's just a really nice way of incorporating what the parent wants and what is going to be most functional for them. And so once you have that, you observe the parent with their child in the home environment and you start to intervene with your strategies as they're playing with their child. And as they're maybe reading a book, you intervene and say, Hey, that would be a really good moment to talk about what the girl is doing. And don't flip the page yet. Look at all those different adjectives that you could talk about things like that. And then you reflect with the parent and you talk about how that went. And there's times when you could even let the parent take the lead and say, okay, I want you to try this with them and I'll, you know, kind of guide you and coaching in itself. There's a lot of different ways to coach. You can coach side by side. You can coach by instructing. Um, but essentially you just want the parent to be on your team and you want the parent to know what you're doing and to also feel comfortable implementing it on their own. Yeah. I love doing this with my, I work with three little ones that are two and a half or under. And I love starting the session like five mm -hmm. minutes before, like how the past couple days been. And then five or 10 minutes after, if, if they don't sit in, in session, I have some parents that sit in and it's helpful. I've had mm -hmm. some parents that sit in and it's not because they're hanging all over mom and dad. They're not they just focus better without them. So for those, I take five or 10 minutes after the session and say, these are the things we did. This is how I incorporated these words. These are the words I want you to use in the next three or four days. And then again, when I see them the next time, again, take that first five minutes or whatever and check in and see how it went because you never know what they might pick up. Right. And virtual learning gives us such a unique experience where we're seeing the, the parents every time where mm -hmm. maybe we didn't, if we work in the schools, yeah. you know, you don't ever see them. So it's really cool. And even if, you know, maybe the parent is working and maybe they're with a babysitter or a grandparent, make it a point to shoot them an email about what you did. You know, there's a lot of different ways to communicate, even if you don't see them face to face, but um, Hannon is a resource center. We wanted to make sure you guys knew about, we will link it and we don't want to get too much into it because it's really complex, obviously again, mm -hmm. but it's basically just an awesome parent-based resource and it has resources for parents, but also for professionals that are surrounded around parent coaching and making the parent be the one that is able to also implement strategies when you're not around. And I feel like a lot of the parent coaching that we as SLPs do in sessions is really centered around this. Yeah. I know that someone from the Hannon Center came to talk to us when we were in graduate school. Mm -hmm. And I remember sitting there like, this sounds really great, but you know, like we're the real therapists, which mm -hmm. obviously is very 
backwards thinking because parents are the ones that interact with them the most. Um, but this website is packed, I'm not kidding, packed full of resources. And um, I'm looking at it really quickly. They have programs for both educators and parents, and they have professional development. They have workshops for SLPs and educators, which I think is huge because they're targeting those parents um, for the early intervention, or excuse me, the teachers for the early intervention population. They have guidebooks and DVDs. They have handouts. They have so many things that I think are really worth checking out because there might be something in there that you've been searching for for a really long time and can't find a good resource and they might have it. Yeah, definitely. It's such a good resource. Mm -hmm. So then the next ages is like four to five, but maybe even older. We can kind of mesh. I feel like we split it originally four to five and then six to nine. But again, I feel like a lot of these overlap. So we're just going to go through kind of a bunch of different resources that we've been using in some of our sessions and that you can kind of implement even into the home. So the first one is PBS Kids, which I'm sure you guys know about hopefully by mm -hmm. now, if you haven't jump on it, cause there's so many games, interactive games, videos. It's a really good reinforcer, but I've also used it as a way to target some language goals because you can pause the videos. You can ask questions about it. Kind of like an interactive book, same thing. Mm -hmm. Then there's ABC. Yeah. ABCYA exclamation point. And I have been on a kick of this website for the last week. I love it. Their interactive videos are so much fun because you like watch, for example, my favorite is about this unicorn and you watch her and she, does she want to go to the magical forest or does she want to go to, I don't remember what the other one is. Maybe the magic kingdom. Castle, I don't, yeah, yeah, something, but you get to, they get to choose. So they have to tell you, she wants to go to, uh, and it's a really good way to expand utterances. I use it for one of my clients for making choices because it gives you two choices. And then like she stops at the mirror and does she want the cupcake or the cake? And she just has to make um, decisions as she goes, which again, is such a good opportunity for language. And then it also has a bunch of different sequencing activities, like making a cupcake, making a cake, pizza house. Also there's making a mask, which is so cool. <gasps> Literally it's a mask. That. Isn't that so fun? You like put colors on it and designs. And again, I, I'm not a huge fan of giving my kids mouse control on teletherapy. I know that some are, I usually do not because I want them to tell me what mm -hmm. to do. I think it gives me more uh, opportunities to see what they can tell me to give yeah. instructions. So, um, especially with the little ones, I don't recommend the mouse control, but it's a good way for them to kind of tell you what to do with it. And then calendars. I know Rachel is going to talk about this too, but like mm -hmm. calendars are so nice. We have articulation and language ones we can link for you on teachers pay teachers. And it's essentially just, it gives you something different each day. Mm -hmm. Right. I think we both used those. So it definitely, it, focuses on a different aspect of their goals or just language in general to give them something to work on, you know? Right. So if you guys aren't familiar with the calendars, like say you have an articulation one and your child or student knows what sounds they're working on. So say they're working on K's and G's. <laughs> and um, so those sounds go up at the top and then each day it has something different. So it's not necessarily a calendar specifically for K's and a calendar specifically for G's, but it will say, what is a, find a food in your kitchen that starts with 
your sound and say it 10 times or whatever. The next one will be like a scavenger hunt or go on a walk and find something or color a picture. So those are awesome. And mommyspeechtherapy.com is also a really awesome resource for art- articulation wordless. If you go to the section up at the top called free downloads and click on that, she breaks it down into like almost every single sound. And then further from there, I'm just looking at S for example. So she has S initial words, S initial sentences, S S initial story. Oh my goodness. I picked the most twister (laughs) one. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then breaks it down. um, So initial, medial, final, and Mm -hmm. I love those. Those are perfect. They come with colorful pictures. So those are perfect for at home, right? When you don't have your tick cards right Right. in front of you. So those are perfect. And another one I found that's exactly the same. It breaks it down by initial medial final is speech teammate, which I actually found recently because I was looking for more pictures because I Mm -hmm. use mommyspeechtherapy.com so much, but it's truly the exact same thing. It breaks it down by sound and then position. Um, But what I like is that in the, on the top of the sheet, it has warm up, So you practice it in isolation and then paired with a vowel first, and then you put it into words. So these sheets too, like hang them up on your fridge, tell the parents Mm -hmm. to hang them up somewhere, keep them accountable because otherwise it just ends up in a folder and they forget about it. So this, even with in-person therapy, whenever, like it's so much more beneficial to have it out so they can actually do it. Yeah. I've had, um, some parents print out the sheet, you know, that's on mommy speech therapy Mm -hmm. and each of the words are in little blocks and they cut those squares out and they'll like tape them around the house. Cute. And then they have to uh, like around Halloween, go trick or treating and find them all or collect apples or whatever. Do that for an activity at home. Yeah. Yeah. On speech day. That's what you do when you're practicing your sounds. How fun. I love that. So another thing that's really awesome is go noodle. I'm pretty sure every Every educator knows about Go Noodle, at least classroom teachers. That is perfect for movement breaks when they need to get up and get their wiggles out because they've been sitting and working really hard. Or like Claire said, you know, they get antsy right after snack time or right after they have lunch or they've been sitting for a while. So Go Noodle is awesome to check out. Also, YouTube is really great and has so many resources you would never think of. I was looking for a video. I was working with a telepractice client last week and I was looking for like a simple following directions video because it was getting really boring with Miss Rachel playing Simon Says. So I was like, we're just going to go for it. And I Googled, I don't know, following directions and a fun little sing song video came up about directions to follow, like stand up, Mm. sit down, turn. Yeah. So YouTube is packed full of things you wouldn't. There's always new things on there. No matter how long you've been doing this, I feel like you will always find something new on YouTube. Yeah. And another thing is books. So last week's episode was all about books with Jenna Kirk. And she even mentioned using YouTube with the books. Mm -hmm. So I think the example we were talking about was the very hungry caterpillar type that in, um, you can even find those on Storyline Online. Storyline Online, yeah. Online, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's where the um, celebrities or different famous people are reading those. And like I said, those have questions included with them, which are perfect. Yeah. And then 
going along a little bit with the scavenger hunts that Rachel was talking about, I love the idea of cutting pictures out and putting them around. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like there's a lot of cool ones. My sister-in-law actually has done this summer with my nephew. He is almost four Mm -hmm. and he is just like, he's so smart and Mm -hmm. super into academic things, which I know it's sometimes kind of hard to motivate kids to do, but, um, I think putting it into a scavenger hunt and a timed activity makes it awesome. Like they just want to get it done and they want to do it the fastest and it's a competition and so cool. So, um, she's done some stuff like have a big poster of uppercase letters, alphabet letters, and then she hides the lowercase letters around the house, like just little cutouts of them. And then he matches, he has to like find the lowercase letter and he matches it to the uppercase letter, which is such a good learning experience. Okay. (laughs) And it's fun. Right. And then, and then you can do a lot with the letters. You can spell some stuff out with the letters. You can color them just getting that phonemic awareness around. And then you can do it with anything in that regard. So find everything that's a circle and time it in the house, like everything you can find in the, in the house, that's a circle. Um, maybe having a poster, same thing of the ABCs and finding one thing in your house that begins with each letter. So you get, again, that phonemic awareness. You can do this with colors, shapes. There are so many different ideas. If you need more ideas, let us know. Cause I feel like there's just the possibilities are endless with this. And I feel like we bring up scavenger hunts a lot in episodes and it's because Mm -hmm. it keeps the kids moving, especially when they're sitting, learning for however long they Mm -hmm. are all day long, especially with the school year starting. That's the biggest challenge is they need to get their energy out. Yeah. For the next one, all I'm going to say is a big roll of paper and you can order like the huge ones on Amazon. I know that sounds so silly, but you guys, you can do so many things with just a giant roll of paper and every, it can be different every single time. So like Claire just said, you could take a giant roll of paper and do that alphabet activity. Or Claire mentioned in the implementing language and everyday activities, you can take a giant piece of paper and take kitchen utensils and trace them and then put all the kitchen utensils to the side and have them match it up like a puzzle. You can trace, if it's a big enough roll of paper, you can trace your little one on there and then have them label different, but you guys can work together on labeling different parts. I love that. I love that. How fun. Just because I feel like I remember when I was a kid Mm -hmm. and getting traced, like my body traced Mm -hmm. was so cool. And you get up and you're like, oh, it's me. (laughs) It's me. Yeah. And then you like try to color it in and think it's going to look so great. And it's like a legit design with like two eyes. It's so fun though. Oh my gosh. What a fun activity, especially if you have siblings and you can do like multiple ones and then hang them up. Oh, Mm -hmm. I love that idea. Or rip out like a giant sheet. And that is going back to working on K's and G's. That's the K sheet. So now we're going to do our scavenger hunt and we're going to go through the house and find the K things, put them on the sheet and then trace them and then come back to it in a couple of days. And can you guess what this outline was? Remember it started with the cuss. Yeah. So I, I love that. I also love art. So you can do so much with that though. I agree. And then the last little one for this age group is just magnets, putting them on your fridge. You can put them on cookie sheets. Not sure parents out there, if you know, your cookie sheets are magnetic, Mm -hmm. they are. So if you get any kinds of, um, little magnets, like ABCs, shapes, Mm -hmm. animals, whatever, and you don't want to be standing at the fridge, you want to go sit down, like put it on a cookie sheet. It's super easy. Yeah. I love that. So then we're getting a little bit older ages, like six to nine. And Um, I recently saw a post. I actually think it was Kaylee's post from 
learn with chatterboxes. She actually posted about Emory Global Health Institute um, creating this book challenge, this ebook challenge for authors. Um, and it was, I'm sorry, it was a competition, not really a challenge, but all of these authors made these age appropriate children's books. The ages were supposed to be around six to nine years of age, and they were supposed to be pertaining to COVID-19. And these books are meant to ease anxiety, educate at the, ch the child's level, and provide the children with a sense of safety during this crazy time. And so they, ha they did have this competition. They have a winner. So the winner and there's four honorable mentions. So a total of five eBooks are up for free on this website and they're so cute. They're I so cute. And again, it's a free resource, five free books that you can talk to your child about COVID, which I think is so important too, because, you know, I, I know it's been around for a while, but kids are still kind of confused and the anxiety that builds, especially surrounding this, not just with adults, but with kids too, I think is really important to address and it's created for kids. So it, it talks their language and it gives them that sense of safety, even though they might feel really scared. So I think it's a good thing to implement maybe as an introduction book for your first classroom topic or your first speech topic or for parents to open that discussion for them. I think that's really important. Um, and then themes was the other thing I wanted to talk about. And Rachel, mm -hmm. I feel like we have so many ideas for this too. Yes. We could make a whole episode. <laughs> yeah. But themes for like even weekly. I know every day is a lot to ask, mm -hmm. but weekly themes. So you could do a beach theme, a pirate theme. Mm -hmm. I don't know. There's so I many. Have, you know what? On my Teachers Pay Teachers, I have a whole calendar for the year. <gasps> of all Love themes it. so we can link that. Yeah. I mean, I have things like outer space, pirates, oh. and you can tie so many cool things into that. So we yeah. will definitely, we can link that on our website too, but I love themes. That's probably why and how I acquire so many materials. Right. Well, and it's motivating for the kids though, mm -hmm. too. So, you know, you can plan ahead. You can be like, oh, well, next week we're doing outer space. So we have to prepare all these mm -hmm. things. And then, oh, the next week we're doing the farm. And like, you can just, yeah. it's anticipating things and it's giving them something to look forward to. Like yeah. how cool. For sure. So again, go noodle would be perfect for this age to get those wiggles out. And this next one that I bring up, I'm going to bring up for this age group and the next two. So there are so many free virtual museum tours out there and free zoo cameras. So if you like go into Google and type in live panda cam or live, I don't know, dolphin cam, some zoo or some natural conservatory something will have something and it will pop up and those are so fun to watch and you can work on I mean you can tie in the habitat talk you can tie in different life cycles like I said with a hungry caterpillar last week if you're you know it's hungry caterpillar week and now you're going to talk about the life cycles of the caterpillar and what happened at the end of the book and I just think there are so many free, awesome resources like that, that we kind of forget that we can tie um, like a museum tour or a zoo tour into speech and language development. Um, I think it's perfect. So I found a giant list of 75 of quote unquote, the best <laughs> virtual museum tours. Oh my God. 75. 75. That's amazing. That's yeah, so, so cool. We'll, we'll definitely link that on 
our website, but they have ones from France. I mean, all over the world, France, Italy, um, Atlanta. So how cool to use as like a around the world theme or something with Mm -hmm. your older kids, you're learning about history or whatever. And then we're going to do a virtual tour of something in France. How fun. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Rachel, you were actually the first one that um, talked about that. I think on our teletherapy episode that we had, I think you mentioned that. And I did it for one of my kids like a few weeks ago. It was so, I think I had, I had more fun with it than he did even. It was so much fun. I was like, look at all the things we could do with this. Yeah. Especially the zoo cameras because those are very unpredictable. So you Mm -hmm. can turn it on and you, there's no animals in sight, but also that's kind of a learning opportunity. Yeah. You can kind of brainstorm like, what do you think they're doing? Right. You can make a story. You can have the kid make a story out of it or something. Exactly. The museum ones are obviously a little bit more predictable because those are like pre-recorded but mm-hmm. the um the zoo ones you never know what you're gonna get yeah something different though I love that yeah so next we have age like 10 to 12 so those pre-teeners that are very hard to engage <laughs> um maybe even going into like 13 to 14 years old and we know that's really hard and I know that a lot of you SLPs work with those ages if you're in middle school um, or even like fifth graders to middle school to high school ages. Um, Brain Pop is awesome. I have used it. I used it when I worked in the school. It's kind of expensive. So if your school doesn't uh, pay for it for you. I don't know how I feel about recommending it. Cause it is like a hundred dollars a year, but it has a lot of like lesson plans. It has a movie to go with each theme. It's, it's awesome. It plans everything for you. So if you can talk your school into getting that, um, they also have a family plan and I think it's still around a hundred dollars a year, but for parents listening, if you want some, um, legitimate lesson plans to have, Mm -hmm. and if you have multiple kids, it has different age groups too. So there is a family plan that they offer, which is pretty cool. If you're interested in that, um, Jeopardy Labs is something that I've used a lot with my fluency kids. It's a lot of fun because you can make it or they have a lot of pre-made ones too. So there's different themed ones that are already made. Um, We've made a couple that are for our targeting stuttering is like the goal of it, but you can make them, maybe they really like Minecraft. So you do, you make a Jeopardy game about Minecraft and you work on a target sound or you work on, Mm -hmm. um, categories with it or something. You can always implement your language or articles into something that they like or use it as a reinforcer. If you really can't find something, it's something they get to work for, for the last five minutes of your time together. And then Mad Libs, there's an online Mad Libs game that we will link as well. And I love Mad Libs in real life. I love it online. It's all the same. It's so fun. (laughs) It's so much fun. And it's so perfect to work on different parts of speech. So they have to come up with an adjective, a noun, Mm -hmm. a verb. What a great way to really target that. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but my kids always pick like super silly words. And it's so funny. So then, yeah, at the end, they get like a really big kick out of it. I love it. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Another thing, I just lost my train of thought. Oh, another thing about the virtual museum tours is even if they're like, okay, I don't want to look at a history museum, there are fun museums out there. I don't know if they all have virtual tours but for example there is the museum of ice cream and i'm pretty sure it's in san francisco and you can do research on that you can pull up pictures Mm -hmm. of that you can tie it into whatever your whatever activity you're doing and make it fun so i'm not necessarily saying i i think you should 
only do science museum tours and because that can be really boring especially for mm -hmm. this like 10 to 12 getting into teenage years when they have specific interests yeah. that you yeah. like if you don't target that you're like the worst person in the world yeah and if they're not engaged and not interested in what you're doing you're not going to mm -hmm. get a lot out of it so i cannot stress enough that you meet them where their interests yes. are obviously assuming they're appropriate but if you can tie it into something that they like like football mm -hmm. Um, or baseball or pick a sport or an activity or knitting or whatever they like, try and tie it into whatever you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And it's definitely easier said than done. And we know that. So if you need any ideas, please let us know. Um, or just start with Google or Teachers Pay Teachers. I sometimes will type Paw Patrol into, into mm -hmm. Teachers Pay Teachers and just see what comes up. Because a lot of times, even random reinforcement games that people make can really help engage your child and get them to do what you want them to do. That's for younger. Sorry, Paw Patrol. But I know we're, <laughs> we're on the older kids now. Sorry. But for teens, um, getting into the even older kids and even the preteens, I don't know if you've heard of Bamboozle, but it's really fun for, I've used it with kids working on language and I've used it working on fluency. They are a bunch of different uh, language games essentially, and they change all the time. So what you see one week isn't going to be what you see the next week, which I like because it's not always the same. So you're getting something different and then you get some variety. So you can use one website for a variety of different things. And they usually have something centered around categories, around vocabulary, um, usually something pertaining to grammar. And then for my fluency, older kids that I've seen lately, I've been doing um, the would you rather, there's a really fun would you rather game. And it's so fun. I love it. Cause it's like, would you rather, um, be the fastest person in the world or be the smartest or something like that. And it just gets them talking. And I always ask them why, so mm -hmm. that it gives them even more opportunities to talk. But, um, sometimes they're funnier than that too. Like, would you rather eat a whole plate of spaghetti or a whole thing of pudding or like mm -hmm. something crazy like that? That's not that funny, but I was trying to, <laughs> I was trying to think of something funny off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, it's great because they facilitate conversation and it's free, which is really cool. Um, and then another thing that I started to do, especially with my fluency kids, is keeping a journal and really focusing on that mindfulness. Now, I know with fluency especially, we target mindfulness because we're being mindful of what's happening when we're speaking, what's happening when we're going through a stuttering moment, what's happening when we're talking to people um, in different situations and things like that. But I really really, really think that this would be great. And I haven't even done this yet, but with some of the older kids working in language as well, because it would prompt them to do some writing prompts while you're away from them. So, you know, you learn to maybe one of your goals is categories or making a complex sentence or something, and you learn it, you work through it in your session and then, okay, you have your journal that you need to log and you need to make some sentences about whatever it is we were working on that day. Um, and then I also want you to talk about how you're feeling about being in speech, how you're feeling about learning 
from the computer and just kind of get those conversations going. Cause I think it's important, especially with the older kids and teens to acknowledge the fact that, you know, this is different and we know it is, this is not how we would want to be teaching you, but it is. And we want to make sure though, that you are feeling comfortable and safe and that this is still a positive experience for you. I think that's really important to touch on that mental health aspect. Yeah, I like that a lot because so much of who you are when you're a teen is kind of like your social identity right? and engaging with friends and stuff. So I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. One more thing I wanted to touch on that really you could use, um, I would say, like upper elementary on is Kahoot. Have you ever used Kahoot? Or- I haven't. So is it online? It is. It's online. Cool. And it's this website where essentially you can make like a quiz and there's different answers. And for example, if you have a group or you can make one or assign it, you can make the quiz about anything. So I'll use the example of Minecraft, like you said before. And however quickly you answer is how many points you get. So it's kind of like a competition. Uh. But um, you can also tie that into different language activities or even as a break. So many of Mm -hmm. these things that we use, maybe you have an activity or your targets that are impossible to use with Mad Libs, but you really like it. Use Mad Libs or use Kahoot or use Brain Pop or Go Noodle or any of these things as a break or a reinforcer. What they work for. Yeah. For Absolutely. Sure. So we hope you guys found um, a lot of these ideas and tips and tricks and resources useful. Definitely check out all of the links that we are going to post and we post every single week on our um, website because they are super helpful. And I think there's a lot of resources out there that we're discovering each day. So we will continue to keep you guys updated. And let us know if we missed anything that you're like, oh my gosh, this is the greatest thing that I found that helps parents at home or that helps kids over the computer because we're still learning new things too. We're still in this learning process with you guys. So yeah. And we would love to share that um, on our Instagram page and shout you guys out. So that's awesome. Keep the ideas coming. Mm -hmm. So that wraps up this episode. Thank you guys again so much for joining us. And as always, you can find me, Rachel, on Instagram at supersweetspeech. And if you or anyone you know is in need of speech therapy in Southeast Michigan, feel free to email me at speechissupersweet at gmail.com. You can also follow the Let's Talk About Speech podcast on Facebook and Instagram. So make sure you give those a like and a follow. And don't forget to check out our website, letstalkaboutspeech.com. And you can find me, Claire, on Instagram at kindly underscore speech or my Facebook page, Kindly Speech LLC. And if anyone in the Virginia or Ohio area is in need of speech teletherapy, please contact me, kindlyspeechllc at gmail.com. And then Rachel and I also have the email for the podcast, let's talk about speech podcast at gmail.com. As always, email us with questions, suggestions, anything you guys have, just to say hi. We love hearing from you. It's so fun. So we appreciate you guys as listeners, and we will hear from you soon. Also, if you're listening and it's Tuesday, make sure you check out our giveaway because it ends on Friday, and there are so many cool things that you can win. There are, yeah, definitely. Have a good week, guys. All right, bye.